0: We're walking through a study called Experiencing God as a church. Uh, A lot of us are in this, and if you're not, I'll just kind of throw sentences at you here and there. For instance, this sentence has been percolating in my heart for a week, and it's messing with me, and it's messing with me in light of Colossians, the second chapter. So let's talk about both. I, I love this sentence by Henry Blackaby. He says these words, If the church family is not talking about what they sense God doing in their midst, the whole body will be disoriented to God. That sentence has like messed with me in lieu of Colossians two and where we've been where we've been as a church talking about the the openness and the reality of Christ circumcising our hearts and changing our lives that Jesus that actually it would be right next door to impossible for us to worship together for multiple years together and not actually say hey God because we are worshiping together we actually believe that the people we worship with are probably going to become more loving. And there probably is a result of our singing these songs and our sharing life together and our going over to the lamp's house last night. I mean, we're gonna have orchiros and and our lives are gonna be changed. For those that were there, like, yeah. And so, I mean, we're we're actually gonna share life together, and people are gonna become more loving, more joyful. There will be more peace and more patience that will abound around here. I mean, there's gonna be the fruits of the spirit just going crazy. There will be more grace. More mercy, more, more love, more compassion. I mean, that's just, that's just gonna happen. And look, if it's not, if the church family is not talking about what they sense God doing in their midst, listen to this, listen to this. If the church family is not talking about what we sense God doing in our midst, the whole body will be disoriented toward God. So I'm, you're probably, probably just, you, you don't even have to write this down, it's in your notes. So you could just circle it on the back of your ministry, guide and say, okay, so where is this going to take us today? And God, what does this mean for us? Like if the whole church family is not talking about what God is doing among us, we will be disoriented toward God. Colossians 2.12 is just great verses. If you're a guest today, we're we're just kind of thinking verse by verse, and then sometimes we're diving in and kind of going off of some verses and thinking about what God has done through us in the book of Colossians. We've been here for a while. We'll probably be here for a little while longer. In Colossians, the second chapter, verses 11 and 12, just powerful verses. And it says, and gosh, I want to just pause and always go backwards. I mean, it's just talking about freedom in Christ, wonder in Christ, salvation in Christ, wholeness in Christ. Oh, my goodness. You get to move into the kingdom of Christ. You're a difference maker for Christ. Um, as you make a difference and change the lives for Christ, you make up as you're willingly suffer for the sake of Christ. You make up for what he is. He is not. Wait, wait. If the church isn't talking about what he has going on, we'll be disoriented and we'll completely miss the, the, Colossians 1.24. God, in the afflictions that you're giving for me, I'm gladly making up for what's not happening. God, this is exciting. I get to be in this. And then it just carries on like Paul keeps his thread. So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is moving among you. He is living among you so that everybody around you is talking about God. And in their talking about God, they're becoming perfect in Christ. You're helping to present them there. And by the way, if the whole church isn't talking about this, then there will not be an orientation toward presenting one another as made perfect in Christ. But if we are, well, if the whole church isn't talking about the greatness and the goodness of God, there will be a disorientation toward the things of God. So he just carries on. He says, so, oh, by the way, the reason that all of that happens is because in him you were circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature of the flesh. Not with circumcision done with the hands of men, but it's it's the work of Christ. And you were buried with Christ in baptism. And it's not just the physical baptism that we watched, although that is a powerful physical picture of a spiritual reality but you were buried with him in baptism you were forgiven and raised with him through faith in the power of god who raised him from the dead and raised you with him that's that's just exciting so if that's all true and and it is so if that's all true in the middle of this body what should be happening among us and we started to kind of unpack that last week so god if you're circumcising our hearts you know first of all and, and poor Fred, who was in the room last night, literally named Fred, took like 20 minutes to figure out the sermon wasn't about him. You know, I mean, I just, but this—the idea of Fred, the unchanging man—it couldn't be happening here. It would be next door to impossible because the church family would be talking about the greatness of God, right? I mean, that would—that would be about what we're—that would be the consuming deal. Like, just—just just think about this this morning in lieu of what's happened for you in the past two hours. Many of you have been around this campus for two hours. So can we process that in lieu of this sentence? If the church family is not talking about what they sense God doing in their midst, the whole body will be disoriented toward God. So let me just, I mean, just factually, I pulled up in the parking lot about 8.20 this morning. I've been here at this point three hours. If the church family is not talking about The beauty and wonder of God, then we will all be disoriented toward God together. So I don't think it's a major leap to just stop and say, so how have your conversations been going today? I mean, we're, I mean, we're, this is our, like, for many of us, this is our once a week get together. I mean, we're looking at each other. We're like talking about, are you kidding me? Tell me about the story of God. I mean, I love that one of my first conversations in the atrium was with this girl in 10th grade who was saying, I may find some orientation toward God that could sweep me away for the rest of my days. That's the conversations that should be happening, you know? It's not really that prevalent today, although you may have discussed it a bit, whether the orange and blue or the crimson and white one? I mean, couldn't we just kind of, not that you shouldn't talk about that, but couldn't we spare some moments to be able to look and say, hey, how about this? Let's orient with one another toward the great things of God. Because if we don't, when we have our time together, all of us will be disoriented toward God. And there will be factions of Fred's all over the church. I think Henry Black could be nailed it in this sentence to say, look, this is how it happens. The church stops focusing on God. They stop having their passion for God. They stop believing that God is still circumcising their heart. They stop believing that Jesus is moving in them. And they start orienting toward other small things. And there is a co- complete disorientation toward the greatness and goodness of God. And so what would be happening among a church if, if they're just, just passionate for me? I love... Um, I love this idea of transformation. Um, a friend of mine sent me some notes this week, and I'm a, I am a Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings freak. And so um, some of you that are not Lord of the Rings fans, be thankful that I, that I was not here during that season because it was like week in and week out. Here is a video. You should see this movie. You know, I could just picture Tolkien and Lewis sitting and talking about the great things of God. And one of the comments was, here's this picture of salvation. Salvation, the gospel, the good news, the circumcision of hearts. It is the church in a constant state of awakening to the things of God. And if a church is not together, awakening to the things of God, and ever awakening to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and ever conversing about that, then we will be utterly disoriented to the things of God. And so this idea of, God, you just—you should come in and circumcise and change our hearts. Come and walk with us. I mean, can't you just picture Jesus sitting in the middle of us saying, come through the wardrobe. You know, for you Narnia fans, you should rent it. If you're not a reader, for you true Narnia fans, you should read it again. Come through the wardrobe. There is a whole other world that is out there. There is a whole realm that you live in. There is a whole passionate kingdom that is moving among us. And you should awaken to that kingdom and awaken and orient your life to the things of God. Because that kingdom is prevailing. That kingdom is beautiful. That kingdom is wonderful. And if we don't orient our lives to the things of God, then we will be totally disoriented to that kingdom. Kingdom. and we will actually live in such a manner as if this is all there is and we will live surrounded by people and we will live fleshing out life this way we will grab for power we will try for control we will walk over people to achieve we will oversex our lives. We will toss our marriages. We will make preferences over our own selves and our own lives rather than the gospel because the only kingdom that we seem to be focused on is our kingdom when we fail to recognize there is a whole nother realm that God is circumcising and calling us toward. I mean, we, we'll share an inaccurate view of death and it will consume us as opposed to a passionate for God we mourn but not as with those without hope. I mean, we will seek comfort in places we should never seek comfort. We will walk around as a church gossiping about one another. We will look down on other people. We will be prideful and arrogant as opposed to authentic and real. We will give our bodies away over and over. We will compromise the gospel. We will over-drink, over-use, over over-everything because this is all we think there is. And the Lord steps in and says, no, no, no. There is an awakening to the gospel and a call to orient your life. And if the church... Doesn't talk about the great things of God. There will be a disorientation throughout the whole body and you will actually start to think you control this. And you'll actually start to care more about what you like than the gospel. Let's not make this about people out there. This story is not about them. This story is about us. We will forget that there is another kingdom that is and will and forevermore will prevail. And we will stop awakening to that reality. And God is just kind of saying, look, I want you to draw in to understand there is a beautiful kingdom. As Paul said, Paul and Solomon kind of combined, two pretty smart fellows. If this is all there is, then you're wasting your time. If you're sitting in this room and the resurrection hasn't happened and maybe bigger picture for you, if you're not cognizant and recognizing your baptism, your death and burial to self, your resurrection to new life, then for heaven's sake, this is foolishness. Solomon would say, we should just eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you may die. And that's essentially what I see happening in the world. But here's the problem. If the church doesn't talk about the great awakenings among us to the things of God, we will be utterly disoriented toward God and we will completely fail to awaken to the reality he has for us and we will live just as if we don't have Christ. So what would it look like among a a group of followers who were saying, God... Give us a passion for this. I mean, God, we just expect your kingdom to come. In fact, we know this. We know this. We know this. There is a whole other kingdom and we live wide out of it. And all the while, we're, I mean, we're standing like Paul. I love Paul. We're standing like in one foot in this, this kingdom, if you will, one foot on this planet, trying to flesh out life on this planet and one, one heart and one eye and one movement toward the eternal kingdom of God. And we're really literally saying in here, we're going to live with the kingdom of Jesus Christ, with the truth that every knee and every tongue will confess, the the Christship, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we're going to live with our hearts bent there and we're going to flesh out this world with that truth before us and we're going to talk about God, we're going to be passionate about God, and we're going to orient our lives toward God. And when a church starts to do that... But if a church doesn't orient to the reality of the prevalence and presence of God, then every person in the room will ultimately become disoriented to God. And I think you will fail to call ourselves a church. So so what would it look like? Some of the things I said last week, it would, just, it would just be absolutely authentic in here. I think that's why I fell in love with Bob Lentz's prayer. That was that was by the way a prayer of authenticity. It was a prayer of desperate need for Christ, and I think as the church, if we're not talking about our authenticity and being real before others, then we will become proud and arrogant. I mean, I, I just went through a few thoughts in Scripture. I mean, I, I I could be no better than the leaders of Jesus day who had intense pride about themselves. I, I could be like Peter, who is a passionate guy, but who afforded himself Jesus rebuke in the midst of his passion passionately self-centered i could be like the sons of zebedee who actually started thinking this way they started thinking how can we become super powerful in the kingdom of god and i can actually take on that orientation if i'm not authentic and if i'm not sitting around going god i'm authentic and i am filled with humility and i am passionate about what you're passionate about I mean, I I want us to begin to say, hey, Lord, how can you move among us? And I, I love, um, I brought this in with me. I love a Greek word that I think people are looking for among us. Probably my favorite Greek word in Scripture is the Greek word for the word sincerity. And I shared this about a year ago, but I, I brought a little piece of pottery in with me. Um, it is so neat for me to think about. I was worshiping in song and I couldn't sing this morning. I was just I was just thinking, you know, how we're sitting in this room and we're worshiping God and we have of people in the Honduras who were singing in Spanish. And our group, I would love to have heard y'all go for that. Our group was singing in Spanish with them. And, you know, I, I really would like to hear you guys sing Kiche. That would be utterly intriguing to know that right now, while we're sitting in this room, there are actually people that you love deeply. They're worshiping God. To know that our Haitian brothers and sisters are on our time zone right now. They're sitting in a church that I can picture, and I walked in just a few months ago. they worshiping God. This was given to me by some friends who were in a covert country, uh, Uzbekistan, who were worshiping God. And this is a piece of pottery made by them. And they said, every time you drink tea, which I did at night in coercion with them because they're a hidden church, we just want you to think of us and think of what's going on. And I I thought this piece of pottery was pretty relevant today. There's a sincerity going on. And the Greek word for sincere, applying this to authenticity or humility, the Greek word for, for what people, I believe, look for in the church, it literally means when you, when you come out of the fire, there's a piece of pottery that's made. When it comes out of the fire, the question would have been in the marketplace, is this sincere? It's a great word. And this is, if, if the people of the church are not talking about the great goodness of God and passionate about it, then all of us will be insincere. And what he's asking is this, did this come through the kiln? Did it come through the fire? And was it whole? Or did you just paint over it so that you can't see the broken pieces? Is it sincere? I think what people look for from a church that is circumcised of heart, that has been baptized with Christ, that is passionate for the things of God, I believe they're looking and saying, is there a humility that marks this fellowship? Is there an orientation toward God? Is there a passion for His heart? Is there a sense among the believers that we're desperate for Him? That our sincerity, we, look, look, we don't paint stuff over. We're not showing up here on Sunday morning going, we've got it together. We're showing up as a broken people made up as a mosaic of his grace. And we come together saying, God, somehow, as Corinthians teaches us, you take all of these fragmented parts and you build up your church for the sake of your glory. And we're just in the middle of this saying, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, God. We're sincere. We're not painting things over. We're not making it better than it is. We're just making you great. And if a church fails to orient themselves to the greatness and the goodness of God, everyone will be disoriented toward God. I hope you're processing. Is this sincere? I love this. I think another thing people will just say, if you're being circumcised, as Colossians 2 says, if you are moving about this, we'll be utterly approachable. This just challenges me. In Jesus' day, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, they steered absolutely clear of the religious leaders of the day. In, In Jesus' day, the people that were most hurting, they would have said, we'll never go near the religious leaders. We won't go anywhere near what they're doing, what they're speaking. And in fact, the religious leaders invoke the law. If you're walking down and you have a certain illness or certain disease or certain thing going on in your life then you walk on the other side of the street, and oh, by the way, please make sure you tell us that you're unclean so that we don't come anywhere near you. Just if the old church doesn't talk about the greatness of God and what He would look like among us, then we will be disoriented to the things of God. If we don't talk about this and look for this and say, God, what would it what would it look like in this day? Because in, in Jesus' day... The religious folks were the antithesis of that, and yet here comes Jesus. Kind of saying, you want to see what the kingdom of God looks like? You want to see who the kingdom of God is? I mean, they, they, there was this mistaken notion among the religious leaders that to be, um, to be about God was to be utterly unapproachable. And Jesus said, look, I want you to be able to come to the Lord to meet Him and to experience Him. I love this story. I love this reality. In John, the fourth chapter, I love that Jesus, and I could just stop on this for the next three or four weeks. One of my favorite stories in scripture. Don't you love this about Jesus? That he would actually meet and give his best thoughts on worship to a woman who was in a completely terrifically poor lifestyle beside a well in the middle of the day. That he would literally meet her there. And and before all that, gosh, I I can't go here because I'll just start. I love this story. Before that, he would actually venture into that part of the world a part that no other religious man of his day would have walked into, that he would actually venture there, that he would sit back there, that he would carry on a conversation there, that that conversation would be one of the greatest thoughts about worship she was coming out if you don't know the story the nutshell is this she's bringing a pot in the middle of the day a water pot in the middle of the day to absolutely come out and get water because she's so humiliated about her life circumstances she can't stand in front of the people she can't stand about what god is doing she she is desperately thirsty for something and jesus has this dialogue and he starts to talk with her and he says to her listen This is the kingdom of God. This is where you are. This is where you need to go. And it was beautiful. And then Jesus looks there and he says some of the most powerful words about worship when he says, look, you're going over here. Your people are going over here. Our people are going over here. All this worship is, here's what's going to happen. There's going to come a day and time where we stop worrying about what building we're in, where you go, and it's going to be spirit and truth. And oh, by the way, as you have discovered this spirit and truth, I want you to go back. So the most unlikely missionary on the planet who was out in the middle of the day embarrassed by her walk finds Christ and then he sends her back and John 4.28 says the most incredible thought for me because it says and in the middle of that she left her water pot. She left her insincere pot. Her covered over, I'm afraid, I've got to go pot and she went back and this is the part that amazes me. You want to talk about the transformational work of Christ and what we should expect in this room? You want to talk about the power of toward God? Not only does she go back, but it says the whole village listened to her and they came back to find Christ. That, to me, is so amazing that Jesus was just passionate for the things of God and what the kingdom of God's meant. And she was saying, look, I have been a crackpot and I'm just coming back to you as a crackpot. But can I just tell you this? Jesus knew all of my cracks and he didn't put me back through a kiln. He He took me and He made me whole and He is painting me for who I am and who I forever will be and I am oriented toward that and here's what I'm doing. I am beginning to tell you that there is a Messiah, there is a King of glory who knows everything about you and you can come to Him anyway. There is a Messiah and King of glory and there's a gathering of people. We're going to be one of the first who are going to be just like Him. We're going to be the church of His and he's gonna be he's gonna be utterly approachable because we're utterly approachable, and this is the question of the day. This is the question of the day. So what would people of, of greater Mandarin, what would people of greater Jacksonville say about us? Would they say, Look, we can go in the middle of them and they love me and they accept me and they're passionate for what I'm about, and they are passionate for drawing me toward God because this is a group of sincere people. if the body of Christ and His fellowship is not storing the greatness of God, we will completely be disoriented toward Him. Completely. But when the body of Christ... Listen, listen, listen. When the body of Christ starts to talk about the greatness of God and the wonder of God and the transformation and work of God, the whole body will orient there's a wow moment. When, when we're sitting in this, in the last two hours, you've just storied Christ with one another. I mean, you're, 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 you're telling about things that are going to happen. There is a robust faith. I, I want to drop down and just share a thought, a, a robust faith about what God is doing us that we are, um, I'm dropping the middle thought if you're following the note sheet and just going into the fact that there is something that's deep about us. I love the scripture, as Colossians has said to us, we are rooted and grounded in our faith. There is a depth that is absolutely passion-filled. There are stories that are emanating around this place that is, that is beautiful. I love this. When the church family is talking about what they sense God doing in their midst, the whole body orients toward God. Can that not be what we pray for? That the whole body will orient toward God. If we're not, we'll become disoriented. And and I would say when we begin to talk about this God move and talk about this passion for God, there will be no ability for any of us to simply stay where we are. We'll move forward for the sake of God. That's what Jesus prayed for in the 17th chapter of the book of John. When he said, I'm praying there'll be one. I'm praying that I'll be in the middle of them. I am praying that they will tell stories about us. I'm praying, God the Father, that you and you and I, God the Son, are one. And I'm praying, God, that there will be a oneness in the middle of the church. And that we'll be in the middle of that. And we'll live and move and be among them. And there will be a robust depth about them. And there will be stories flying out of there. And it's just going to be amazing. It's just going to be Amazing. And it's going to be a whole group of people who are orienting their lives to God. And when we start talking about Acts 2, like where God fell and all the people could understand, those of you just rolling back from Guatemala, how cool would it have been for you to be sitting in worship and the Holy Spirit just fell and he just spoke in one language. Or maybe he spoke in multiple languages and you were just getting it. How cool would that have been? It appears to be Acts 2. Because right after that happened, when God moved his spirit and power, they then stepped out and they just started speaking and thousands started getting saved. That would be pretty sweet to happen around the globe. And then when thousands were getting saved, they started planting churches all over the globe. And all of these ordinary people who were sitting around in ordinary places doing ordinary things met an extraordinary God and the church exploded around the globe. And they expected huge things from God. And they just started talking to one another saying, look how great God is. Look how amazing he is. My, my last Wednesday was phenomenal. I just wrote some things, some conversations I had around here. I, I, mean, I, I got a text just before I walked into worship last Wednesday just to story guide with you for a moment from a good friend of mine. And she just said, look, I just want you to know four people from Syria just got saved. We have standing room only at our ESL classes. It's like, are you kidding me? Do you? Okay, I sent, go in with my little pot over here. That doesn't happen in this part of the world. That was a jubilant jump around, are you kidding me moment. And then I had a couple of friends that walked up and they just opened up their folder. And it was a picture of the kid that they're praying to adopt. And I just thought, God, how cool is that going to be for that kid to maybe walk through here if that happens? Your will be done, Lord. That was just Wednesday night, just a typical Wednesday around Mandarin. I got to meet with a couple who just said, we, we just really want this marriage we're about to end to. We're going into this marriage, and if God could get all the glory through it, that would be the greatest desire. It was just a normal Wednesday. I loved a friend of mine that just said, I want to figure out how to use my creativity so I can get to Haiti. So I'm just going to start really using the creativity and the gifts God has given me so that I can take those gifts to the other parts of the world. It was just a normal Wednesday. There's about four other conversations I wrote down, but all of these conversations were happening while nine or ten of our best friends were all walking in Guatemala. You know? And if, if the church will live and tell the stories of the greatness of God, and our lives and hearts will be utterly, completely given to Him, He will circumcise our hearts, awaken us to our baptism in Him, and the entire body will orient toward Him Praise the Lord. God, I pray that you would bring sincere hearts to this room.